Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. The uh, ungodly, unrighteous world has named this month uh, Pride Month, and we're going to talk about that uh, throughout this month. Pride is the problem. Uh, that's the title of the message, if I had to title it. Uh, 22 years ago, Bill Clinton had the grand idea to name uh, June Gay and Lesbian Pride Month, which is, uh, as we're going to see this morning, very problematic. Um, and so they chose pride because they didn't want shame. But sin is shameful. And so they t- try to take away the fact that sin isn't shameful. And we see that all over. Uh, this United States. People, uh, shamefacedness is just pretty much wiped out of the culture. Um, and this whole this whole idea, this whole agenda is all about loving the world, not loving God. Because a true born-again child of God is loving. We're not hateful. We love the things of God and we want others to not be harmed and not be hurt by a sinful shameful, wicked lifestyle, which, by the way, we may have not done, uh, I may have not done as bad as sins as you, you may have not done as bad as sins as me, but we have all sinned, and sin is the problem, and the root of all sin, we could all say, very, I, I think in very full agreement, that pride is the root, is the root cause. In Leviticus chapter number six, 26, The first time I I turn to this chapter, because the first time the word pride shows up, it shows up in Leviticus chapter number 26. And it's Israel's history. The basic outline of Leviticus chapter 26 is their obedience and their blessings. Then their disobedience and their cursing, the curses, the judgments. And then the chapter ends with the restoration of Israel. So we can see as we draw back the lens. We can see the big picture of the nation. And we understand uh, uh, contextually this is talking about the nation. We're going to make some practical applications. Look in verse number one. Ye shall make you no idols, nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it. For I am the Lord your God. Everybody knows not to worship idols. You know what this queer agenda worships? You know how many of the pop idols are identify as queer? They're all looking to those idols and developing their lifestyle around all, all of that. Look at verse number two. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, I will give you rain in due season and the land shall yield her increase and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit and your threshing shall reach unto the vintage and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. Okay, so what do you have? When the nation obeyed, what did they receive? Well, plenty of rain for crops to grow. God blessed that land. He gave them physical blessings through their obedience. 
verse number six, he also gave them, watch what it says, I will give peace in the land. Ye shall lie down and none shall make you afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of the land. Neither shall the sword go through your land. And look down at verse number 13. We'll finish up this thought on the blessings through obedience that the nation had. I am the Lord your God, verse 13, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, that ye should not be their bondmen. And I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you go upright. He blesses their land with rain. He gives them peace in the land. And when, it, and, and when this thought closes out in verse 13, he tells them, don't forget, I brought you out of bondage. Now, some practical application for us. Let us not forget what God brought us out of, the bondage of sin. Verses 14 through 39 in Leviticus uh, has the disobediences and the curses. And it starts off verse 14. But if you will not hearken unto me and will not do all these commandments. And if you shall despise my statutes or if your soul abhor my judgments so that you will not do all my commandments, but that you break my covenant, I also will do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror consumption and the burning aid that shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow to the heart and shall sow your seed in vain or your enemies shall eat it and it goes on and look at verse well what happens is it's one judgment after another judgment more cursing after more cursing and it keeps getting worse and worse and we see the contrast from the beginning of the chapter to the middle of the chapter for every for every blessing of God will bring a curse. And that's exactly what happened to that nation. Now we're getting to where I finally wanted to get to, which is verse number 19. The first time the word pride shows up, it says, and I will break the pride of your power. You want to take pride in the fruitfulness that I gave you on the land that I made? I'll break that pride. Every single one of us. I know this is a nation passage, but every single one of us had to be broken of our pride before God could have dealt with us. Every single one of us. Pride is the problem. God said, everything that you put confidence in, everything, I will break it. And that's exactly what he did with the nation. If we want to make some practical application to ourselves, that's exactly what had to happen to our hearts before we came to a saving knowledge of the grace of God. Pride's the problem. Yelling at the, L, the alphabet soup crowd isn't going to do any good. Making fun of them isn't going to do any good. I'm all for hard preaching straight down the line, call sin, sin. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. You know what needs to happen? Their hearts need to be broken of pride. It does. There's plenty of idols for them to worship. When a Christian shows up, you might have one opportunity. One. And you might never see that person again. Don't blow it. Their pride has to be broken. 
Bible says in verse number 19, a very eloquent passage of scripture. I'll break the pride of your power. And then he says, I will break your heaven as iron. Try to get some crops to come up when no rain falls down. It's not going to happen. And then it says, uh, the last part, and your earth as brass. Try to sow some seed on brass. Nothing's going to come up. God will just break it all down. They will be incomplete. The land that God blessed them with. And yes, the land that God's going to restore to them. We see that restoration at the end of the chapter. But in their disobedience, that land is cursed. And it's com- it will be completely barren and it will be fat. Kind of just like our hearts without Christ. Pride's the problem. What is the problem of all those supporting that agenda and living that lifestyle? Pride. What's that? What has to happen? They got to realize they're in famine and they're in drought. And their heart has to turn from pride to humility. Verse number 22, I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children. Tell me that's not happening. How are you going to, um, how are you going to continue the, the birth of boys and girls and children if you have a lifestyle that's completely against number one against children number two unsafe for children to be in that type of environment and number three not the way god made it to propagate he says verse number 24 then will i walk contrary unto you i will punish you seven times for your sins God's against what they're doing. Verse 28. I know this is a tough word to hear in nowadays. It says in the middle of the verse, I, even I, will chasten you. People don't like to be chastened. Verse number 30. I will destroy your high places and cut down your images and cast your carcasses under the carcasses of your idols. And my soul shall abhor you. That's God, the creator. And that's strong language. It's okay to preach against sin. It's your right to preach against sin. God abhors some things. You know what he abhors? Idols. You know what this whole month is designed around? Idolatry. Idolatry of the heart. They say that this whole LBGTQ community, all of it, they suffer from high obesity rates. Why? It's a coping mechanism. They have no real peace. They have no real hope. How do they cope? They eat and drink. Tell they cope. They comfort food to a whole new level. STD rates, HIV, herpes, gonorrhea, syphilis, and all the rest of the, the, the junk. Why? Because of their lifestyle. You leave a clean, holy, pure lifestyle. You don't have to worry about that. Anxiety and depression and suicide rates are drastically higher in the gay, lesbian, LBGTQ, and queer community. Drastically higher. Why? They have no real hope. You think calling calling them names is going to do anything? They need to hear the gospel, the glorious gospel, for their eyes to be opened. I understand going to a gay pride parade probably is not the best thing for little children to attend. You just can't unsee and unhear some things. 
you're going to do any type of public ministry with that crowd, you better be prepared to get Christ sanctified in your heart before you and I start opening our mouths with things that we're going to regret that aren't of God, just of our flesh, because we just want to slam them. They need to hear they're sinners. Just like the, the guy that lies needs to hear he's a sinner. Well, it's worse. It is worse. It is worse. Not denying that. But pride is their problem. Same way pride was the root problem for all of us. Yeah, but we didn't take it to the extreme. Well, thank God you didn't. Thank God you didn't. As if you're good enough that you wouldn't have taken it to the extreme if the circumstances weren't put in front of you. Well, I still wouldn't. Okay, fine. The point is, I'm trying to make is, they need to hear the gospel. Why don't we make this month the month where we do the most public evangelism? Why don't we make that our goal? How does restoration come? For the nation, we see that in the last uh, half a dozen verses, I think. Uh, starts in verse number 40, where it says, uh, if they confess their iniquity. you got to start with confessing your sinner to God. Look at verse number 41. Now, I have also walked walk contrary unto them and have brought them into the land of their enemies. If then they're uncircumcised, here it is, hearts be humble. Confession of iniquity and hearts being humble. That's the point we want to get into. Look at verse 44. And yet for all that, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, neither will I abhor them, to destroy them utterly and to break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord, their God. Verse 45 ends with, I am the Lord. Verse 46, these are the statutes and judgments and laws that the Lord made between him and the children of Israel in Mount Sinai by the hand of Moses. All right, so we'll close with what we opened with. I understand, we all understand, this is a nation passage. This gives the brief history of Israel. The blessings, the cursing, the restoration. We get that. First time pride shows up, God says, I'll break it. The problem we know this month is pride, just by the very name of it. What has to be broken? The pride. How's it going to be broken? By the gospel. By the gospel. Leviticus 18. Uh, well, um, yeah, go to Leviticus chapter number 18. Let's do that. The life you and I are living right now, the life that this wicked world is living, it is going to come to an end. People say, well, this is just who I am. This is just the way God made me. This is just the way that I want to live. Male and female created he them. That's not a, that's probably one of the simplest passages in scripture to understand. It's not the word propitiation. <laughs> I mean, I mean you got to count the syllables to figure out where to put everything. Nobody knows what that is until they're taught. Male and female, how can you not know what that is? That breaks it down to the simplest level. Everybody knows there's only two genders, unless you got so much pride in your heart that you're blinded. Um, go to Genesis 2, but keep your finger in Leviticus 18. Genesis 22. Uh, I'm sorry, Genesis 2. Genesis 2. 2.22. Uh, and the rib, Genesis 2.22, which the Lord God had taken from man, 
made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Pretty simple. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall man leave his father and mother. What do children have? A male father and a female mother. And they leave that and they, what do they do? They cleave, on, uh, the man cleaves unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. You can't have a union with a man and a man. You can't have a union with a woman and a woman. You can only have a union with a man and a woman coming together under God's designed order. Or else all you have is chaos, destruction, and utter foolishness. And wickedness between be, 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 before a holy, righteous God. In Leviticus 18, it says in verse 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Who is mentioned in verse 21? They shall not uh, let any of the seed pass through the fire of Molech. Neither shall I profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. For sacrificing to false gods. And God calls it abomination. Man and man, women with women, it is an abomination. In Leviticus 20, watch what God said would be the consequence. Leviticus chapter number 20, verse number 13. If a man also lie with mankind, as he lieth with a woman, so there's a difference there. It's a very clear difference. Both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. What did we say at the beginning of the message when we read Leviticus 26? That was a nation passage. What are we reading about Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20? God's way of dealing with those Hebrew people, that nation. And the penalty for that type of lifestyle was for Hebrew people. Number one, it wasn't for Gentile people. It was for Hebrew people. And if they lived like that, because they were supposed to be separated and living under God, God said, put that man, put both of them to death. Now, let me ask you a question. Are we living under the Mosaic law now? No. Let me ask you another question. Were we ever under the Mosaic law? No. It should be used lawfully. It's a schoolmaster. It brings us to Christ and all of that. I'm with you. But our job is not to preach this month to put homosexuals and queers and gay and lesbians to death. As if they haven't already died. Because the Bible says for the wages of sin is death. They are already dead. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is not our job to assassinate homosexuals. It's not our job to sentence them to death. They're already dead, just like we were dead in trespasses and sins. And God moved in and regenerated our life. 
For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what we preach. However, you got to admit, back in the Old Testament, that was a pretty serious consequence. So although we are not under and have never been under Levitical law, Mosaic law, although that is true, what is also true is that that lifestyle is still what? An abomination. It doesn't stop being abomination because it's in the Old Testament. If something is abominable to God, it's abominable to him. It doesn't matter Old Testament, New Testament. That is an abomination. And there is nothing to be proud of when you're living a life that's an abomination to God. And let you and I be careful to not be puffed up in pride and say, well, I don't live that way. And get so prideful and so haughty that we don't make any attempt to pray for them. We don't make any attempt to try to reach them with the saving, glorious gospel. Because if you really believe that it's that saving, if you really believe that it was that glorious, we would all try our best to get that good news to them, wouldn't we? We would. I think we would. People say, well, I just always felt that I just wanted to be, you know, I had gender euphoria or whatever the names are, and I just always feel, you know, I'm, this is just the way I wanted to be. Except we don't allow anybody to get away with that. You know, I just always felt like I was a murderer. You know, just God really just always felt I was, a, you know, I always felt to be a fornicator. Nobody's good. Nobody buys that argument. They just think differently when it comes to homosexuality. They say they use the term homophobic. And they use that term because their mom or their dad or their friend or their co-worker or their church or someone that cared about them and loved them said, that's wrong. That's shameful. That's sin. Don't get involved with that. And so now, now they call you a name. They say they call you a, a homophobia. No, it's a sin. What you're doing. What do we go around? What do you murder phobia? What's wrong with you? Are you fornication phobia? We don't use any of those other analogies because they don't make any type of biblical sense. It's just pure nonsense. You should be afraid of someone living a wicked lifestyle. It's just they don't like to be pointed out that that's not what God wants. It's not what God wants. <clears throat> Proverbs 8, let's turn there. Bible says in verse number 13, Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord. That comes hand in hand with pride. We just don't fear God. Is to hate evil. And then there's a semicolon there. And then God gives a short list of things. The first of which is what? Pride. And arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth 
do I hate? God hates pride. The month is named Pride Month. And there's no fear of God. So I, Luke, but I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. As mad as dad may get. And as angry and as embarrassed as mama might be. When mom and dad find out that their son or daughter is going to come out this month and say, I just really feel that I'm as enraged as mom and dad may or may not get. The mother and father of that queer child, of that gay or lesbian young adult, their parents have absolutely no power to cast them into hell. None at all. They might throw them out of the house. They might not invite them to the annual Thanksgiving dinner. And there's a whole other host of things that go on with those types of situations. But I'm not making light of it. I'm not saying it's easy. But the last thing they have to worry about is what mom and dad are going to do to them. They have no power to cast them into hell. But God does. And you know why you need to get saved? You know why I need to get saved? Because ain't nobody got power to cast us into hell except one. That's our creator God. And he don't want to do it. But he's holy, righteous, and justice. And, 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 ju and, and he's the God of justice. And he will do it. If pushed and poked too far and too long. We're going to learn a little bit about that in the message this morning. People need to fear God. They need to fear God. James chapter number one. <clears throat> Lust is everyone's problem. The Bible says in James chapter number one. Verse number 14. Uh, well, verse number 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. This isn't God trying to make people, no, not at all. Watch what verse 14 says. It's everybody's problem. But every man is tempted. Just mark it down. Don't matter how spiritual you are. Don't matter if you're a preacher. Don't matter if you're uh Come to church every time the doors are open. Don't matter if you do evangelistic outreach every week. It don't matter. Everybody is tempted. Every single one of us. How? When he is drawn away after his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. There isn't anything else to figure out. <laughs> the problem that we all have is we're drawn away after what we want, what we think, what our lust is. It's just carnality. Man becomes his own God, and it brings forth sin every time, and death is the result. That's, that's the root problem. Go to Romans chapter number 7, because 
let's see. James says, lust is everyone's problem. Paul concurs. Even he battled it. Romans 7, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. Pride, lust, all of it is, I want something else. I gotta have, I'm not satisfied with God gave me. God made you a man, be satisfied with that. God made you a woman, be satisfied with that. It's all about unsatisfaction. That's why they're continually looking for more and more and more and more. Who mutilates themselves to change their gender? It's awful. Awful. How far sin will take some? I can only study this so far because it's just, I don't want to know all this stuff. They're destroying their body physically as their soul is just rotting and dying. We've got to bring the good news to them. Matthew chapter number, number five. Uh, but lust is covetousness. We saw in Romans seven. Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 27. And get Romans 1. So we can turn there quickly. Matthew 5 and Romans chapter number 1. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 27. The Bible says, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, that's back in the... In one of the commands in Exodus. But 20, uh, verse 28, but I say unto you, that's Jesus speaking, that whosoever looketh on a woman that lost after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. This is an interesting verse for many reasons. The first of which is we have a restating of a, an Old Testament command given by God to Moses, to those Hebrew people, stated now in the New Testament. So we know that when we see it restated, I mean, there can't be any misunderstandings. The second reason it's interesting is that what do we read in Leviticus 26? What were their blessings? Physical. What were their cursings? Physical. What do we think of as adultery? Physical. What does Jesus say it is? Y'all got a spiritual problem because it's in the heart. And once you commit it in the heart, you're guilty. Yeah, but I haven't done the act. Fine. Good. Don't. <laughs> but don't act like you're innocent before God or better than somebody else because they did. Now, on one sense, you are. If you have a thought, don't act on it. <laughs> You know, little brother picks up the toy. He has the thought. He's ready to throw it. Mama says, don't you dare. And he rethinks it. Okay, I'll put it down. He still thought about clonking his head off. He just didn't act on it. So in one sense, yes, it is better. You have an evil thought? Whatever you do, don't act on it. 
But before God, don't act like you're not a sinner. Because God said, you have it in your heart. I'm telling you, you can't get it out of your heart. That's the issue. And he said, you're an adulterer. Same with murder. It, these are hard issues. They cannot get these things out of their heart. And that's the problem with this month and this lifestyle. They can't get it out of their heart. David, back in the Old Testament, he committed adultery. He broke the seventh commandment. He committed covetousness. He broke the tenth commandment. And that led him to commit murder. And he broke the sixth commandment. It just leads deeper and deeper in sin. Romans 1. Well, this, you know, this whole month is worse than what's read in Matthew. I mean, these. Okay, well, let's read what Romans 1 says. We had an outreach down in when we were in, in Florida, in Central UCF University of Central Florida. And this the one day I remember clear in my head. There's this one. It was supposed to be. I said yes, sir, and, and, and as I was speaking to him, but it was actually her. And so she corrected me and said she went into he or she. I can't even remember what it was supposed to be. She didn't even know, or he didn't even know. But all I knew was. I need to turn to Romans 1 and give them the word of God because this going back and forth ain't going nowhere. I'm not going to win. She's not going to win. Let's see if God can make some headway. And I just read Romans 1 and actually had her read Romans 1. And what does it say in verse number 24? Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts. To dishonor their own bodies between themselves. And if that's the path somebody wants to go down. We are to be fishers of men. And we're to use the gospel as bait, if you will. Allow the Holy Spirit to draw them and all that. If somebody wants to go down that vile, wicked road. God's not going to stop them. He wishes they won't. But he isn't going to force them to do wrong. And he isn't going to force them to do right. And so they just. Yeah, is that what you want? Okay, I'll give you up to that. Who lost their own hearts. Designed their own bodies between themselves. Who changed the truth of God into a lie. And worshiped and served the creator more than. Uh, the creature more than creator. Who is blessed forever. Amen. But we see in verse 24. Lust of their own hearts. That's the problem. Verse 26, look at it. God says, for this cause, God gave them up to its vile affections. For even their women to change the natural use into that which is against nature. We are talking about a lifestyle and we are talking about sin that is beyond. It's beyond sin, if you will. In the sense that it is a sin that is against the natural order. On how God made man and woman. I don't want the billboards up in the cities that show half-dressed women. When my 13 or 14 year old boy is in the back seat driving by. Looking at the woman in her underwear. And lusting. That's sin. I'm not saying it's not sin. But on one sense. At least it's natural sin. It's a natural 
Okay, that's how God made man and woman. God help us. Boys are driving around along the highways. They're looking at men. It's a completely against nature. Oh, how wicked this thing has turned. Parents nowadays are afraid to send their children to the public schools. They're being indoctrinated and inculcated with this whole lifestyle. Their greatest fear is that their son's going to come home and say, you know, I don't know whether I'm a boy anymore. You don't know whether or not you're a boy anymore? What type of psychedelic drugs are you taking? They're not. They're listening to Professor Idiot teach them. We need some grannies that are around the house more with their canes, smacking these kids upside the head, knocking some sense into them. We need some boys throwing back on some tractors, learning how to work. We need some fellas out there with grandpa learning how to haul wood, and, uh, swing an axe, and uh, throw a, a line into the fishing hole rather than this skipping around in a pair of skinny jeans like a Fruit Loop. This is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You walk outside, you walk out into the community, it's like one big circus. <laughs> you want to talk about Looney Tunes. You don't have to turn on it. When I was a kid, you grew up watching cartoons. We're, we are, this whole war, it's a cartoon. It's just completely loony. God calls it vile affection. In verse 27, likewise also the man leaving the natural use of the woman burned in lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meant. They burned and lost. God calls it unseemly. He calls it unseemly. We'll continue this next week. I've got one more full page of notes, but all I'll do is just rush through it. And uh, nobody will get uh, good help from it. Neither will I. So we're going we're gonna to stop there for this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.